All right, welcome back to the Road Home on Heels. My name's Andy, coming to you live to take from the Road Home for Wrestling World Headquarters of the world. And today, we have two people with me. First of all, returning, making his triumphant return, of course, back to the podcast to cover Heels Season 2 is Dean. Dean, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. We've waited two years, at least two years, for Heels 2 in the second season to come out. Yeah, we'll uh, I'm we'll excited. Wait. Will the wait be worth it? Let's find out. So, uh, but also because we wanted a special guest and because there's no guest more special than the man who is best friends with uh, Ricky, the dragon steamboat. He's better than Roman Reigns. He has a better uh, kick than RBD. The man is a professional athlete. It's John Murray. What's up, John Murray? Hello. I am very excited to be here to talk about an insane show. But uh, real quick, you also forgot that I can drink more beer than Stone Cold and I can smoke more cigarettes than the Sandman. I'm sorry. I forgot. It's, it's, okay. been, a, it's been a while. <laughs> and, and you are also making your triumphant return to the show. You were on our podcast in 2017. That's how long it's been, John. Wow. What have you been up That's, to, man? <laughs> the lost episode. It is. Yeah, yeah, it the fabled lost episode. I had, a, I remember that night. It was a good time, and you know what? I remember that night too. I went to the green room, and there was like a laptop set up for somebody else's thing, and I assumed that was you guys. And I was like, "Where the fuck are these guys?" Like, I thought we were supposed to do this interview. And I go outside, and you're like, "Yeah, we've been waiting out here for like an hour for you, bro." <laughs> I want to apologize for that. I don't know if you remember that part, but I apologize for that. It's all good. Anytime we were like we were waiting after a show for someone, it was always super awkward. Just to let you know. yeah, I bet. So. I bet. Because because you know I don't know if you, you could tell from watching the show heels, uh, but yeah, right, the locker room and stuff. That's not for valets. Right. That's not for any of the fans. It's just for the wrestlers who stick to the script. That's right. And, and used uh, inside terms blatantly, you know? So, <laughs> well, uh, Dean, yeah. we, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you have any uh, memories of us interviewing John Murray that we could talk about real quick before we get into the uh, our thoughts on, you know, reminding folks of our thoughts on season one of Heels. But uh, what are what's a good, like, John Murray memory you have from uh, our days of seeing him back in the day? Uh, I, I don't know if, if one particularly sticks out. I know that he was always one of our favorites from the first time we started going. We always found him to be very entertaining, uh, whether it be in wrestling or his comedy spots. I have a lot of uh, I remember a lot of very funny comedy spots that I liked a lot from John Murray. I remember being really excited on the interview because it was in the very new days of the road home from wrestling before it kind of settled in that we weren't 100 percent welcomed by everybody. <laughs> It was but those fun. early days of this is going to be a thing was a whole lot of fun. It was. Oh, yeah. I mean, the later days were fun, too, but in a different way, you know. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I really enjoyed the I felt like that part of one of the fun things about going to a small venue and seeing guys like John Murray every week is that, you know, the crowd's a little more part of things than maybe they would be in a larger venue with a million people in the crowd. And so I felt like that we, you know, um, we were just a part of things a little more. And so it felt a lot more organic. And, you know, the rise of John Murray, the professional athlete, it was it was a magical time to see that, you know, firsthand. And uh, I, I fucking loved it. 
Oh, yeah. And you know what? I'm glad you guys were there because, like you mentioned, like, you know, kind of these smaller venue things, the crowd that comes there every week, it's the same people every week. So it makes, you know, people like me and the other boys, we got to we can't just do our greatest hits. You know, I mean, we got to we got to bring something new every week for you to keep you entertained and keep you coming back. And that's uh, that's a good learning process. So thank you. You boys made me better. Wow, and and one of the reasons John Murray rules is because he is is not uh, so ego driven that he can't admit something like that. So <laughs> it's amazing. Well, uh, Dean, last year we covered the first season of Heels, and uh, I did go back and listen to most of our episodes just to kind of get a feel for what we thought. And if you listen, you know, at the first episode, we're really excited. At the last episode, we are not excited anymore. What What's some thoughts that you have about uh, the first season of Heels that you'd like to kind of let people know about? Uh, it started off really good, but as wrestling purists ourselves, just knowing a direction that, that we would like to see the show go into and them kind of taking it in some silly directions is what kind of made it get tired and plus like we wanted to watch the wrestling the storylines of what goes on at an independent show and the struggles between the wrestlers and the struggles to write a good show and keep the fans coming back i did not care very much about what was going on at home for jack spade and that he sold lawnmowers and that so that stuff and then they would have entire episodes that where they have an episode where they would, if I'm remembering correctly, what's going on at DWL, and then the next entire episode would be, well, what's going on at home, and the these this this brothers too. So they, you know, we got to know what the brothers are doing when they're not on the clock in the ring. Like, and I just got kind of tired of some of that stuff. Yeah, and it's just a quick kind of mini recap we're trying to do here at the top of the show is the show heels is about two brothers who are, uh, you know, involved in pro wrestling and they have, you know, a antagonist antagonistic relationship in the ring and out of the ring. And the show is, is basically an explanation of that an explanation of why John Murray, you watched heel season one. I'm sure you have some thoughts and I would love to hear them. Yeah. You know, as you know, I am a professional. Uh, so I went back and I painstakingly watched the entire first season again. And hearing you guys talk about it, how it started off good and ended bad for you, I both times had the complete opposite effect. When it started, I fucking hated it and like thought it was so I just think everything in the show is all the choices, and especially like with the wrestling part, everything seems so bizarre to me. Um and even like that first, like it's like the first few episodes. Uh, Ace is like the big hotshot babyface or whatever, and there's like a natural progression where he should just be a heel, right? right? Yes. And and so finally, and Jack's like, dude, you got to be a heel. Just please be a heel. And so Ace goes out there, like flips out, has like a great match with like I believe it's Big Jim, and like the crowd is on fire for it, and then Ace comes back to the locker room. Is super shitty to everybody, and Jack pulls aside, like, dude, what's your problem? And Ace begins to cry and say, I'm a keel now. This is what you wanted, right? <laughs> and that is the most insane shit I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, I, it's crazy it, that the the wrestlers don't know how wrestling works. That's like, isn't that wild? It, it yeah, it's 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 boggling. And 
And see, by the end, when Crystal climbs the ladder, like that big, the big fair show match. Okay, okay. So the season one, right? We've got the DWL, which, by the way, has a great arena. Yeah. The dome fucking rules. Like, I would love to work in a building like that. It looks awesome. Um, but they appear to they appear to have a nice thing going there. Um, but they're struggling like a lot of wrestling promotions are or whatever. They used to have this big glory. They're trying to get it back. And one of the big things, I the big thing one of the big things about halfway through is like we might get this big fair show that they're all working toward. So we get to the fair show at the very end of the season. And it all falls apart, right? And then Crystal climbs up and gets the belt. I love that so much. (laughs) Everybody treats Crystal like shit the whole series. And she's seemingly the only one who knows what the fuck she's talking about. Yeah, these are the same observations we made. Why do the people involved in this show not know? Like, meaning the actual character wrestlers in the show don't understand how wrestling works. And why is Crystal the only one who gets it? She has her head on straight. And the other question that we couldn't understand was they're packing that place. We learn in the series that it costs 15 bucks to get in. And we find out that, yeah, it costs 15 bucks to get in. They tell, they tell us in the last season and we know the main eventers making $50. Ace was making $50. So where uh, my question was, where the fuck did all the money go? (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And like, I mean, they like pack that place out. Like, I kind of have a hard time judging uh, how many fans will or be there. But at the DWL Dome in Duffy, um, they have like two floors. There's like a floor seat, like bleacher seats, and then a fucking balcony seat. Yeah, it's like mezzanine, it's you know. It's tremendous. Now, Dean, did you have any questions that you were hoping would get answered in season two? In, in, in question in the first episode of season two questions from season one that you thought might need to be answered in season two. Oh, no. Other, other than where are they going to go with this? Uh, I made a joke about the over under on how long before they take the belt away from crystal. <laughs> how many episodes? Yeah. Well, uh, no, I'm, I'm just interested to see what direction they take it in. Will big Jim make it out alive? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> John Murray, oh, Dean, tell us about Big Jim and our and our good times with that. That was one of our favorite things for last season. It it was just the first episode. As as it went on, it was so leaning up to this being a catalyst for Ace's character. It's his best friend. Then they decide, well, we're gonna add him to the main event. Then we find out his wife's pregnant, and then Big they Jim. go up the water tower. Yeah, Big Jim, and then. They go up the water tower, and he tells uh, Jack Spade, I'm going to retire at the end of tonight. It would have been the perfect opportunity to have Ace, the younger, the more inexperienced, the I should be the champion, but I'm not the champion babyface, to be distracted and not mentally ready to be in the ring to drop his best friend on his neck. Yeah, It just seemed like that's what they were building to, to that being like the proven that in this first season that Ace wasn't ready. Ace wasn't ready to stay focused. That it's not all about Ace. That it's about protecting, you know, having a good match and not just who wins. Like it seemed like that was the, the obvious direction that they were going into. And I always kind of like to predict things that are going to happen at wrestling shows or, okay, well, someone going to come out. Is this how they're going to do the finish? 
So that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. So then it just became a running joke of the season of when is Big Jim's going to break his neck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he was like, you know, a dead meat character and somehow he survived and he shows up at season two and I can't believe it. Um, so some of these questions that we've raised, um, you know, keep those, put a pin in those because uh, we're going to talk about them as we get into season two of Heels. But, um, you know, I, I am uh, interested to see where we go from here. I, I did notice something um, that when I watched the first episode here, season two, it was written by and like directed by and produced by Mike O'Malley, which Mike I don't think, O'Malley, yes. yeah, I don't think the first season was doing that. So I have uh, no. hope. I have hope for the first season. I, when I was watching season one again, I, like I said, everything about it seems bizarre to me as some of the choices they make with wrestling, but Every now and then there's like some weird, like idiosyncratic detail that they have thrown into where I'm like, oh, well, that like whoever's in charge of this must be connected to the business somehow to like have that like weird, super niche thing in there. Because a lot of it, like there were like I said, there's some things that's like, oh, that's the truth. Like that happens all the time. Um, but I looked up like the creator and the writer. I can't remember his name, Ward Wardlin or something like that. He was like an intern at Adult Swim, then started writing for Rick and Morty, then wrote like Doctor Strange or one of the Marvel movies or something like that, like, and then created Heels. So the guy went from like just an intern to like all the hottest shows and properties. So I thought that was insane. And like I looked up some of the other writers of the episodes and nothing like too notable, a few things here and there but like as far as i could tell none of these people outside of like Stephen amell have like any connection to wrestling yeah it makes you wonder i'm sure they have all kinds of uh you know folks that are um giving advice you know off screen and stuff like that but uh i i noticed something that i maybe this is a little off subject but i think it's kind of the same thing what we're talking about is like they try so hard to wedge those things in those little mm. like winks at the marks, you know, and stuff like that, for example, and, and it's very clumsy. It's just like their whole, like the stories in general are told clumsily in the show. And it's like, you know how, like they're going to play the big fair show and the fair, the fair show seats, 10,000 seats. Exactly. You know, like, and that's the, <laughs> that's the bet that Meltzer made against the young bucks. You know, it's like, there's so many little things like that, that they just try to wedge in there. And it's just clumsy. And I'm hoping that with Mike O'Malley at the helm now, that right. we're going to we're gonna figure things out and maybe have a better show this season. But then again, I wouldn't be mad if it was awful again because, man, it was fun to talk about last year. So. And, and the show tries so, so hard. It's listed as a drama, but it tries so hard to be dramatic. And, like, there's it just sucks all the fun out of it. And that's, <laughs> like the the big final fair show i was having a blast because everybody everybody was seemingly have a good time wild bill my favorite character shits his pants like i loved that i love that cuz that's i mean unfortunately that's not that uncommon i it happy you know you get thrown around you get slammed hard sometimes things get knocked loose and i mean that see that's like one of those things like uh, Okay, well, somebody's got a little inside information here. Right. Like, 
to write in like, but he can't wrestle anymore because he shit his pants. LOL. Like it's weird thing. And like wild, the character wild bill himself, he's another one. Okay. I need to know more about wild bill. How famous is he? Because in season one, I don't know if you, and see, and see, here's another thing. Wild bill. He, in season one, he's, um, just con- high up and connected and he's in like the focus room whatever with all the executives showing the new toy replica belt you know right, what yeah. you're talking about mm-hmm. and it's that got was like, like four ww whatever the wwe stand-in company is it right, was like yeah. he was working for them right and they're focused training this like uh toy replica belt for kids and it's got lights on it and wild bill kind of gets all pissed off like oh yeah cool fucking make a mockery of the thing that like i've killed myself for that i've like seen people like dead in a ditch trying to get yeah let's just let's add whistles to it and shit like that too like wild bill says stuff like that's where i'm like man wild bill's fucking cool uh, he gets it you know <laughs> and like they f- and okay another thing again they're trying to be so dramatic dramatic excuse me they frame wild bill like the actual devil sometimes like fucking <laughs> like it's like the first the first episode or whatever he comes back to duffy and everybody's like god damn it bill's here and ace is outside all pissed off that jack's not going to go let him go over and win the belt or whatever and Ace is at his car and he's all pissed off and he slams his truck door. And then in the rear view mirror, side mirror of the truck, you see Wild Bill back there. <laughs> all dark, it's shadowy, smoking a cigarette. And he's like, it's bullshit, ain't it? <laughs> I, I think frame him like that so many times. But if you listen to Wild Bill, he's kind of right about all this stuff. Like he's got a good monologue with crystal where he's like, you're the fucking shit. Like who cares if you go out there and you show everybody that you're awesome and you do good, they're not going to have any choice, but to fucking use you and put you over and stuff. And he was fucking right. You know, I mean, it did lead to one of my favorite moments of the season where ACE got mad and ripped Bobby pins leg off in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Bone and blood in the room. Oh my God. If, if that, if that, like, see, that's another thing too. Like if that would have happened in like real, you know, at a real wrestling show or whatever, like we would have beat the fuck out of ACE. You know what I mean? Like there's so many times like ACE would have just got beat the fuck up for being a whiny little baby, man. (laughs) It's so funny. After that, the, that night, that he gets his leg broke a Bobby pin. That is, there is a bunch of executives from the, um, you know, from the doohickey, uh, the, the big fair. And they're trying to figure out if DWL is a good fit. And after the match, they're like, wow, that was an incredible performance, you know, from, from, and Jack's like, yeah, Bobby's really good at selling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's just so bizarre. And like, I think the show would work a lot better if they, if they change nothing but one thing, if they set it in like the 80s or like 90s or something, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, wrestling was still kind of, uh, especially said in the 70s or 80s, where wrestling was like, no, like you know, the boys were like really protecting the business. You didn't have podcasts where you could talk about inside baseball, you know, there wasn't Meltzlers and all that stuff around telling you all the ins and outs. I think if they change nothing but set the time period differently. And like I said, even up to like the mid late nineties, I think a lot of this stuff would work a lot better, but like now it's just, I mean, and the whole D uh, DWL and dystopian feud is insane too. Like <laughs> who gives a shit? Like, no, from, like, 
promoters don't attack each other like that or you know what i mean like not like in the way that they do and speaking of mike o'malley which the legendary mike o'malley host of guts we all, all loved right. it um do you remember in season one when, <laughs> when mike o'malley was like you know what let's go vandalize the uh the uh, duffy dome and they go over there flying in a helicopter <laughs> Personal helicopter takes them to the Duffy Dome to toilet paper it or whatever. Like, what well, is this shit? Like, see, like, it's so insane. Like, not only does oh. he use a helicopter, he probably spends two thousand dollars in printing to print uh, up all these things and and glue them to the damn, you know, uh, the damn uh, arena. It's fucking weird. And um, yeah. I, well. I Thing real quick too about dystopia and obviously the, all the impact footage is really funny. Yes. Um, <laughs> but when Rooster decides to jump ships or whatever, like takes you know that big golden dangling carrot that Mike O'Malley's offering him, and wins the championship. I don't know if you remember, but he's in a like a hardcore match or something. And Rooster's the finish of the match. Rooster puts a guy at the table and jumps off the top rope with the shittiest senton I've ever seen and puts him to the table. Like, do you, I don't know if you remember, but it is yeah. so bad. It looks he, awful. He hit the guy with a cinder block earlier in the match, too, um, which is good times. But, uh, Dean, do you have any uh, anything you want to add about season one before we get into the, uh, you know, Heels season two, episode one? I think we can't talk about season one without at least mentioning the fact that Crystal hit a Hurricane Rana in a parking lot fight. <laughs> and she called it. She called that same move in the very final, you know, match versus A. She's like, he's like, it's just like in the parking lot. And she's like, yep, here we go. Fucking Rana. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong about the writing because that's called a setup and a payoff, boys. <laughs> well, and you and know, see, I, I think <laughs> about like wrestling shows and stuff like that. They always do have like uh, like a scene like that, like, oh, we're in a bar fight and we're going to we hit rock bottoms and choke slams and bullshit like that. And, yeah. that's like, and the people they're fighting take bumps and, and yeah, <laughs> know, like, how to, know how to roll with the punch. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I think like the funnier version of that. And like I don't know, you talk to a few wrestlers, myself included. We've been like guilty of this. Uh, you do get into like a bar fight or something, and the first punch you throw is like a work punch, and you're just like, <laughs> it's like fuck. Like, um, do you remember Josh Abercrombie? No. Uh, he was he was a wrestler in like the early mid 2000s, um, but he was telling me one time he got into a fight at a bar and a guy like spit in his face or something and then turned around and Josh Abercrombie tried to give him a hair bump. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go with it, did he? <laughs> like, fuck. And like, yeah, it's just so funny. Like that stuff does happen sometimes. Like, see, I think that would be funnier to, to write in stuff like that. And with, okay. Also, we can't talk about season one without mentioning the tissues, boys. Oh, Kleenex. We can't talk Excuse about me. Kleenex. You know, it's and funny. In this first episode of season two, there is a sentence. I almost, I almost captured the audio and stuck it at the beginning, but I figured we'd just talk about it. Where, where fucking after all the Kleenex bullshit in the last season, Jack says, "I told Ace about the Kleenex to his wife," and I shit my pants laughing when he said that. It's so funny because like, and see that's so like, 
I think any wrestler worth, you know, worth, worth their medal. If a crowd threw Kleenexes at them, I think a smart wrestler would be like, dude, that was awesome. Did you see that? Like, look at the heat I got or whatever. I mean, and I think it would have been a better angle or, you know, story if like they did throw the clean nexus ace like sees that and is like oh man look how good i am i got him to throw the clean nexus or whatever and then the big reveal that at the end is jack like hey man i actually did that so now ace is questioning if he is good at all you know what i mean right. like that would have been a more like true to i think a wrestling uh logic and stuff but you know I'm not. I can't be fantasy booking heels right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dean, what did you think of the Kleenex, and what was your favorite thing we ever threw in for Mr. John Murray? Uh-huh. We had a uh, lot yeah. of good throw-ins. Uh, the the bad dudes video games will always be one of my favorite. But since I got them here on the other end of the computer, when we threw in the packs of instant grits and instant gravy <laughs> for John Murray and Bruce Gray. I re- dude, you know, I remember that because uh, it was like the last show at the Third Street building, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And me and Bruce walk out there. And normally, thank you very much, by the way, you guys would throw streamers and stuff like I got I got which, by the way, thank you so much. That really is a great feeling. It makes me feel really cool when I go out there and like I'm just showered in streamers. But me and Brucey get out there. And I'm doing my pose. Bruce is on his knees in front of me. And, like, I feel one of the packs hit me. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? And I look down, and I see all these packs laying around. And I have no idea what I'm looking at. And Bruce picks one up and goes, it's grits and gravy, Johnny. It's grits and gravy. (laughs) So that was a very (laughs) lovely moment for us. Thank you, boys. Uh, One thing I love about Bruce Gray is first I was a little upset because when I watched that clip back on the uh, the Rockstar Pro Network that I never canceled for two years and I was paying for it up until about six months ago, like a (laughs) mark. But uh, I like to listen to what the announcers would say when we threw stuff in and they played some audio over that whole entrance so that they they took that away but also bruce is like saying thank you and pointing up to the non-existent balcony which i respected (laughs) bruce for that a lot he's pointing like way up in the air like thank you guys thank you i mean the guy's good at wrestling man (laughs) yeah hey man he thought he thought he was at duffy in the arena you know uh, getting he made him uh, those denim streamers that we made yeah that was that was a good one too. That's awesome. You guys rule. Hey, thanks, buddy. You rule too. We ruled together. You know, That's it right. was a good time. So, uh, but Jim, uh, the king before us. Yeah. Well, we have to get to this first episode though. Um, as much okay. as, and we will mix in more of this. Uh, you know, kind of talk as we go along because John Murray has agreed to join us for all six episodes. Is what we think <laughs> there are of uh, heels. So we're gonna get more of that. But uh, Dean, um. The first episode is called Ten Bell Salute. We watched it together yesterday. Um, what are your opening thoughts about it? And then can you kind of, you know, take us into the beginning here? Uh, opening thoughts were, uh, I don't know, I just was kind of ready for it. I was ready to see what happened. I was not expecting 
it to be a almost a prequel to season one. I was expecting them to go right into uh, what's next. They just landed the fair show. Where are we going to go from here? But the opening was kind of, we went from Ace leaving to uh, Crystal. Crystal went and celebrated and posed in front of the mirror in private, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, they had like a celebration where they were drinking beers backstage. And then she snuck away to have like her own private little moment. Like, you would imagine like a 10 year old doing posing in front of the mirror with right. the belt. Like I was surprised she, at that. Like, like I thought they had made had the turn before, like she had done that before the show or something like that. And sometimes I think they shoot scenes and they're out of order sometimes. But, uh, but as you said, it does start right where we left off. Is it, you know, you have ACE leaving all angry, you know, after what had happened at the, at the end. And, you know, uh, it, it's interesting too, because, as uh, John Murray explained earlier, a lot of the booking decisions don't make any sense. And, and a lot of the things that happen on the show are kind of like not, they, they conflict with what normal wrestling booking or psychology would be. For example, someone who's not even in the match grabbing a, <laughs> you know, a, a title off the ladder and winning the titles. <laughs> well, you know, there actually is precedent for that. Um, I don't know if you remember Spring Stampede 2000, uh, but there was a match between Mike Awesome and Bam Bam Bigelow that I was super excited to see because both those guys rule. And uh, the match finished with Ernest the Cat Miller coming out and super kicking uh, Mike Awesome and beating him. So there, there's that. There is precedent for that, I would reckon. Well, in the 2000s, anything could happen, though. You know, so... <laughs> Uh, that was uh, that was. I do love Ernest the Cat Miller though. By the way, his like, too. like his WCW finisher, like that off the top rope kick. Man, he stiffs so many people with that. <laughs> it looks so awesome. But, uh, but you know, I do want to define a term uh, because this is important. So we had a lot of questions about the first season. You know, here here's a couple that uh, I believe this episode is going to attempt to fix, um, and that is like, for example. Why does Jack, why is Jack an idiot? Like, that's one of the questions I wanted to know. Why, we asked earlier, why doesn't Ace understand pro wrestling? That doesn't make any yeah. sense. And so there's a lot of stuff like that we're going to get into that these, uh, maybe Mike O'Malley and whoever else is in charge over there at Heels are doing what's called retcon in the business of television. And what they're doing is basically they are retroactively um, removing an inconvenience or incongruency from the story. And so that's what retcon means. And that's what this entire episode is. And honestly, the skill at which it's done kind of gives me hope. I'm really excited. Um, you know, John Murray, you said that we need to go back in time. And Dean, that's where we're headed, right? <laughs> yeah. We got to go back in time. <laughs> I mean, we do, we do have that quick thing with gully real quick first but then we do go back in time tell us all about it Dean. well we have uh gully is outside the show and they're talking and he basically says with john murray and you had just said that it didn't make necessarily make sense that the valet who wasn't even in the match and won the title and he addressed that right on in a promo talking about how ridiculous it was that uh, the bunny girl won the, the title match and he's trying to basically do that as soon as possible. So people see his video first before Jake or Jack can go on and explain any of it. So that's a little, that's what we get at the end of the show. 
And then that cuts to Jack walking around looking for Ace, and it cuts to the morning that King Spade had killed himself, and he's coming up on Ace having just found the body. So we now we're two or three years in the past. Mm-hmm. A, a couple things I noticed about this. One is that last year we had speculated, at least I remember I speculated, that maybe it had been Jack that found him and that maybe Ace had been protected from that situation. So, you know, they swerve the marks, brother, and, uh, you know, now it's Ace that finds him, and, you know, Jack's the one that comes upon it afterwards. And I don't know if you noticed this, but Ace also had this Georgia Bulldogs um, uh, uh, blanket over him that was he was consoling. I'm pretty sure that's the same blanket that, like, this – like um, Jack's son has in the first season. So what, like there, there's a, a t- attention to detail here. John Murray, what do you think about all this? Yeah, well, yeah, in the first season, um, it's the episode three opens up with you know, trigger warning, I guess, for anybody out there. Um, but it, the episode three starts off with fucking King Spade killing himself. Um, and Ace hears the gunshot and he gets out of bed and he has that bulldog blanket over him and he finds it or whatever and then later um and a few episodes later when ace ace like flies off the handle or whatever uh has one of his episodes and he's talking to jack's son and they're like bonding and ace gives him that blanket there you go yeah and it it almost burns up in the fire remember there's like a fire in his his room and it, it isn't even a big deal and i don't know that so much happens in that last season. But, uh, Dean, um, were you moved by this opening scene with the boys? And, uh, and of course, the mother shows up, too, right, Dean? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I was extremely moved because it was something that we already had kind of known had happened and I had already kind of settled with it and everything. So I wasn't really extremely moved. I was a little moved by the fact that the mom showed up and they had already found out. And you could kind of anticipate that. She was about to find out what had happened because obviously Ace heard the gunshot. He knew he was walking outside into something bad. He most likely called Jack, who was coming over and knowing what he was going to see. But she comes home from the grocery store, wherever she was at. Both her sons are there. She's probably thinking, oh, everyone's here to visit. And how it would have hit her, I'm sure, was pretty devastating. And they tried to stop her from seeing it. So that part was kind of, I guess, the most emotional part of the whole scene for myself and just the thought of coming home and having no heads up at all on what was about to happen. I'm sure that that had to be a very rough situation for somebody to be in. One thing I I, I do, I didn't didn't feel any of that. I did not give a shit. I don't (laughs) care about King Spade because King Spade fucking sucked as far as I could tell. Like there's a, uh, that episode of season one where it starts like Jack and King Spade are going down the road and Jack's like, Hey, uh, the things we're doing aren't really working. Do you think we could try something else? And King Spade flips out like, what are you talking about? Boy, fight me right now on the side of the road. Like he, he was, he was abusive. Yes. <laughs> I got, and I don't, I mean, I, I, I understand, you know, obviously that can affect somebody. And like how it kind of caused it and how uh, Jack kind of got the reins of the DWL and they didn't want Ace to be there. And like I get all those pieces, right? Like that's fine and everything. I um, I just don't care. 
that's that's what this scene's for though right is we're trying to retcon all this stuff and and explain things and and we'll get to that but uh something else i just want to point out about the scene that i think is important because once you see it you're not gonna be able to unsee it is that these fucking this show in order to one of its favorite things to build drama or the audio was bad is that they love to just knock out all the audio for like a scene go a little bit slow motion and then put like a sappy song over it that's their <laughs> favorite thing and they do it several times during this episode that that's that's their opening title credit sequence <laughs> oh. well if folks don't listen you know don't know the opening you know i last season many many times i uh you know compared this show to friday night lights because that's it is blatantly ripping it off especially the intro and the music throughout and the way that they kind of you know frame it and that's why uh, our intro for the new season is the way it is so uh and, and, and you, know, you know i was saying like i don't give a shit about all this dramatic stuff and like all their history back family history and stuff like that but i like i said i was kind of reading up on the writers and everything and i was even reading some reviews and like this show is like loved by critics and stuff and what? i think yes like there's a lot like if you look it up there are a lot of like good critical reviews from this for, for this show and i think maybe that's what and maybe that's what like these critics don't know anything about wrestling and like <laughs> or you know what i mean and so that's like what keeps them there or whatever but for me personally i'm not here for any of that stuff i'm here for the wrestling yeah and and we get a little bit of that here but uh mm -hmm. dean you know i know that in you know ohio where i live you you know usually the funerals after the kind of like reception type thing, you know, but not in Duffy, right, Dean? <laughs> no, they 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 have they have the funeral, and then they cut to at at the dome where they every you know everyone is kind of gathering there after the funeral for the reception, and that's where we meet Crystal for I guess the first time because she was somebody that was working the funeral. Yeah, she bumps into Ace, and they have like a little meet cute. We also get to see the mid-carters that made it to season two discussing CTE at the reception. And uh, we have Rooster, Diego, and uh, Big Jim. Um, Apocalypse did not make it back, um, so I don't know why, but, you know, fuck James Harrison anyway. And fuck the Steelers, so it's fine. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but we learn here, too, an important uh, plot thing here. So while Bill and Queen Spade, they discuss him being an asshole and he gives he kind of pays her like, hey, what can I do? And she takes a bunch of cash from him. Then we also learn that Jack's wife had a miscarriage. Right. And so that is so confusing. And we'll talk about why. But um, Dean, <laughs> tell us what happens next here. Well, there there's a, a spot when. Jack's wife is in the parking lot talking to Ace, and she says that she and Jack don't fight. So it kind of sets up that prior to taking over the DWL and the stress of trying to write and trying to take care of everybody and trying to make money, that things were much better in Jack's personal life because he never would fight with his wife. He wasn't taking home any stress. He was just selling lawnmowers. <laughs> We also learned that they had just recently moved back to Duffy. So right. for a time frame, Jack had left the family, had gone off and moved somewhere, was doing his own thing. And Ace was the one at home with the, with his parents uh, being, you know, groomed or pushed as a football star. You know, a lot of weight being put on his shoulders on his dad 
thinking he was going to be playing football, going pro, and that's why he didn't want Ace to be a wrestler. Uh, John Murray just talked about this scene from the first season where Jack is trying to show Ace some moves when they're little kids. And and Kingspade comes out and says, oh, you'll fucking show some moves. I'll show you moves and, like, fucking beats him up. He beats mm-hmm. Jack up, right? And so there are little sprinkles of what they're trying to do here in the first season. They're very smart to pick up on that because what we learn here, basically, is that the reason Jack is an idiot in the first season is because he's new to booking. All right. The reason that Ace is a fucking idiot and doesn't understand wrestling is because he was not allowed to be a part of it until after his father died. So that is like that's the things that give me hope that this season is going to be much smarter and things are going to make a lot more sense because they're already making the first season better. I don't know. I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, you, you know, what? the way when you put it like that, like I could I, I can get behind that because. Like I said, I I had rewatched that first season. I had just such trouble liking almost anybody in this <laughs> show. I mean, Jack sucks, Ace sucks, fucking even Willie sucks. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. the only person I liked was Crystal and Wild Bill. What about what about Young Boy Bobby? Bobby I mean, Penn, he's kind of he like his jokes aren't funny, but they come I, from a good place. Man, you know? Bobby and no, he is. He's like too bright-eyed and ignorant for his own good. Do you remember after after Ace uh, rips his leg off in the ring, uh, <laughs> they 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 see each other for the first time at Big Jim's uh, like d- son's christening or baptism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Ace apologizes for him, and Bobby Penn's like. Hey man, uh, it's okay as long as you put more mayonnaise on my ribs. <laughs> you remember that? He's like, just yeah. keep putting it on there. Keep you yeah, on the corn too. Yeah. But All I mean, it. that's a real thing though, where a young guy is like so in awe of that superstar, you know, top guy that he works with that he'll do anything for him, including break his leg and eat ranch on his ribs or whatever. <laughs> So. We just found out that Ace, like, I mean, I guess Ace is, is the top guy there, but he doesn't have, well, he's King Spade's kid, so I guess he's got more right. clout. But, like, I just, and, and see, that's another thing. I, I, I always think when I'm watching this stuff, like, and them in the locker room, it's like, man, if I lived in Duffy and worked for the DWL, I would fucking quit because I wouldn't be able to handle all of their fucking drama. Well, plus, all you got to do is go throw a cinder block at somebody and you get a thousand bucks in the belt in Florida. So, I mean, why? You, why? We, <laughs> mentioned that, uh, we mentioned that Jack moved away, which is crazy because I can't believe a world outside of Duffy exists. <laughs> well, other than Florida dystopia. But, yeah. yeah right? um, like that's the only two locations in the show, Duffy and then Mike O'Malley's house. So, well, they, they had that hospital set, too, from the first season. They yeah. used a few times. But well, the uh, hospital's in Duffy. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's right, yeah. So, Dean, tell, tell us, what is the status of DWL here after this uh, death? And, and um, you know, what happens here? Because they're setting up something for us here, right? Well, yeah, this, the status after the death is this basically the same thing that happened to King Spade. It's dead. They, they're not – there's no plans – to do a final show, every wrestler's out of a job. Uh, they're gonna sell the building. They don't know what they're gonna do with the building. 
there's there's nothing there they there's no plans at all for anybody to pick up and start taking over the DWL it's going to have died with King Spade because like like you just said Jack had never written or booked before Ace had never even wrestled before you just have a couple of the guys that are on the undercard they had no direction to go in and no intention to go in any direction yeah and and the person who maybe was the most against Jack being a part of DWL and running it was Jack's wife um who guess whose idea it is for him to have one last show because Rooster, he brings up the idea of a 10-bell salute, and we get the name of the uh, show, or this episode, obviously. And, uh, you know, Jack's wife is supportive and says, well, yeah, why don't you do one last show? You know, and that's kind of what what we, you know, what the kind of plot is uh, overall of this show, of this episode, is getting them to this, this, you know, one final show. And as we know, in pro wrestling, there is no such thing as one final anything you know, how many times has every wrestler retired 50 times? And, you know, right. how many last shows have we seen? <laughs> it's just so many. But, um, yeah. you know, we also get a little bit here where um, Jack uh, and, and, you know, the mother, they are a little bit worried about Ace. Um, and he bounces that one last show idea off his mom. And his mom's like, that fucking wrestling's a piece of shit. It's in hell with your daddy. You know, she is the fucking worst, right, Dean? Yeah. Everybody sucks in this show. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but you mentioned the name of the episode, Ten Bell Salute, and I looked at the uh, titles for this season. They're not doing it as much as they did in the first season, but the first season, every episode title was like a like a wrestling yeah, term. Except, like, except one. Except one. Yes. The, the Rich, big bad fish face man or something like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember when the first season came out, like you had episode titles like Kayfabe, Swerve, Cheap Heat, Dusty Finish. I'm like, yeah, that's all standard stuff. And then I saw the title The Big Bad Fish Man, and for a second <laughs> I thought like, Well, fuck, am I not a real wrestler? I don't know what that means. You know, like I, I like I was like asking friends, like, hey, do you know what Big Bad Fish Man means? They're, like trying to Google and stuff. Like, am I like out of the loop? Am I not as good as I thought I was? And it turns out it's just nonsense. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't think of a, a an eighth, you know, a term I guess to use. But uh, yes. now we also get a moment here in in King Spade's office where Jack's just giving stuff away. Here, take this. You want this? You can have that. And there, there, Willie finds a little letter for Jack that uh, will come up later. So that's an important plot point. Um, and and uh, too, yeah. quick, the, the, again, just to talk about how awesome the Duffy building is, that's a hell of an office. Dude, it looks like a professor's like library that has tenure at Harvard or some shit. That's what the it looks like. So cool. Like I would like that, 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 that building's awesome, man. The mahogany on the walls in that, in that office is worth more than they've ever paid any entire wrestler, you know, and it's like, it's just, I don't know, that place is wild, but, uh, but anyway, so now we get some actual pro wrestling stuff. Uh, Dean, tell yeah. us about the in-ring stuff that we got going on here with Ace and, and, uh, and Jack, and uh, we get some backstage stuff too. 
So uh, they decide that they're going to have a match, and it's going to be in the main event, Ace and Jack. So it's really just a little, okay, we're going to do something small. You know, you're his son. You should be in the match. So we'll teach you a couple little small things. And he's teaching Ace how to bump, how to do this, how to sell, how to do a headlock, how to hit the ropes. And, and then they basically go into the training montage, which is like you mentioned earlier, when they don't have dialogue, they go to old reliable music over people doing stuff. Yeah. Well, see, like we were talking earlier about how uh, all the stuff in the beginning with the dad and the brothers and the mom, that's supposed to be moving and all that. I didn't feel anything of that. But when they were doing their little training montage, everybody's having fun. They're smiling. They're laughing. They're learning wrestling. That was more emotionally drawing for me or whatever. And even Jack says it uh, after the match. He's like, you know, wrestling is pretty cool, man. The camaraderie, like the team building and stuff like that's the fun stuff about it. And there's just like none of that in the show. <laughs> everybody is against everybody. Nobody works together. And it just drives me up the wall. And like not to say that people don't go into business for themselves and there's not assholes and people you fucking hate that you got to work with in wrestling. But it's a lot more fun than the show <laughs> makes it look. No, know, there's no fun in the show. Always serious all the time. Yeah. That's that's life in Duffy, John. If you don't you don't like it, you can go to Florida, you know. Right. But that's but that's I really enjoyed like but that's the reason I really enjoyed that scene of them training ace, because it was like, oh look at them, like they're like learning and having fun together, you know? We always said last year when we covered this, or two years ago, however long it was, that when they do in-ring pro wrestling, it's done right. It's great. You know, that the only thing that's kind of cheesy is that, like, okay, so this is an important plot point, too, is that Ace is like, let me come off the top rope, Jack. And, yes. and so Jack explains, and, and again, they always get their terms mixed up, or they don't know what the terms actually mean. He says, that, oh, high spots are ris risky, which, as we know, a high spot can be anything. A high spot could be a man running to the apron, carefully stepping through the ropes and then being like, no, nah, I'm not going to come from here. I'm going to sit down and then just maybe, <laughs> you know, do it. That could be a high spot. Right, John Murray. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be something like coming off the top rope. And he claims right, that yeah, all high spot. spots are dangerous. So high spot doesn't necessarily mean high risk. It means bringing the fans up high with you. And that could be anything. You know, it could be a top rope elbow drop. It could be sticking your thumb in a guy's butt. It, it could be anything. <laughs> you know, like, it's just how you build it and how you do it. Like, that's what that's what high spot means is bringing the crowd up with you together. But you know, Jack is new to booking here, so maybe he's yeah. just dumb. And like, but if that's what they're doing, if they're trying to make him sound dumb with this line, that's way too tricky. The show mm -hmm. is about about wrestling and a little drama. Why are we getting so tricky? But here's where we're at. So then we get uh, backstage Big Jim and Rooster call their match. And it's so confusing because they're like they what like one of them's the heel. And he's like talking about how he's going to get a comeback. And like, you know, and it's like, no, what? that's not how that works at all. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And then Ace sees them and admires them and says, oh, that's cool what you're saying there. And they and 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 like fucking roosters like what have you never heard a backstage walkthrough before the show before sir you know like is is that what you guys called it you know a pre-show walkthrough every time you know I mean it's uh, so fucking cheesy man so yeah 
like it is cheap. And like uh, you guys remember the season one, episode one, where they're all like at a where they're all at church or something. And uh, all like the wrestling wives are like, oh, you a wrestling wife now. And like it's called kayfabe and dirt, dirt, dirt. Like it's just like shut the fuck up. Like this is so lame. Like what during the big show? During the big show at the fucking, um, you know, the uh, the the state fair, I, it, there's a certain part where they're like, you know, trying to tell Bobby Pin he's the like guest referee on the outside. And they're like, they're like, hey, you need to change something. You need to do this. And he, he goes, I can't break kayfabe like that. <laughs> yeah. I get. And see, like, I think my my biggest gripe with the show is like, I. And like I said, I read the critics. They're like, this is a good show. And it's like if someone who watches a show who like doesn't like wrestling or really know a lot about wrestling, I don't want them to think that this is what wrestling is and how <laughs> You know, I mean, especially especially with Jack, how like remember the first episode too, he's like literally writing like you give the guy a clothesline, give him a choke slam, climb to the top rope, like typing out this script, and and they say say the word script so fucking much, and like it's just I feel like it undercuts like the actual artistry of the live performing wrestler. You know what I mean? Because. Sure, there. You know, you go out there with a plan. You know, but like uh, some of the best matches I've ever had, there has been no plan. It's just like, oh well, see you out there. You know what I mean? Like, well, they they fucking they the mid Carter guys bury that too because when Jack hands him the script, like Diego looks at it and instantly knows without even reading it. Oh, this is great somehow yeah. and then he says well king's bay just let us go out there do this then right. do that what the hell i did, en- I did enjoy that little uh, little <laughs> nod because because see i think i feel like that was just for me <laughs> because just for because i'm so pissed off like shut up about these scripts and stuff and then finally the real wrestler rooster's like nah that's not how it works dog <laughs> how fucking confusing is that too because they're trying to set up this like Old school versus new school mentality. Florida dystopia is the new school. No psychology, just fucking violence, right? And the old school is supposed to be DWL, but he's writing it like new school wrestling would be written where everything's planned out. It doesn't, ah, I hate this show, but I also love talking about it. So, Dean, we can. that That makes that little moment when at the end of the match when Ace is like, Dude, let me do that elbow drop. And like they're changing stuff on the fly. Yeah. That's like a little oh, that's cute. Like, look at them. They're wrestling. That's good. Well, Dean, here we are. It's our, our big show. Take us through these uh this first match here. What's the first match? Well, the the only match that they really show us is the dumpster match between Big Jim and Rooster. Where, yeah, and they're going over. And one thing I want to say about this, the spot where they were talking about the match backstage and Ace was all in awe is that was done more so to point out the fact because Ace is like, oh, no, I've never seen this before. I've never been allowed backstage because he wasn't welcomed as a wrestler. He was just they, they kept that separate. So it just really hammers home the fact that he was the green, the very new to wrestling and had never done anything before. Red conning. 
uh, like a motherfucker over here. It's it's uh yes, you're right. Um, the we do get a the dumpster match montage, you know, and the finish is a fucking razor's edge into the dumpster, and Big Jim wins. And yeah. uh, you know, I it's just shocking. Big Jim coming off a big win here, you know, it's just it's surprising that he wants to retire. Uh, you know, here in just a couple years or months, we're not sure yet, but um, yeah, it, w- it would have even been even better had he broken his neck in the first episode, because then we get get to look back at oh, that's when Big Jim was still there. Yeah, back when he was still still wrestling <laughs> oh, about man. a neck. doing dumpster matches, you know, <laughs> well, working with guys who what they were doing, and then Ace goes in and cripples them, and then it would have been an emotional match to look back at, you know, before he got hurt. We, we did get the 10 bell salute too at the beginning of the match, which is always emotional. You know, we've uh, been to many shows that have a 10 bell salute, unfortunately, but it's a, uh, it's always an emotional kind of a cool tribute. So they did, they did work that in, which is nice. And uh, we get a little scene backstage where Ace is nervous and he tries to back out of the match. <laughs> Jack's like, just doesn't even hear it. He's like, no, you're going to be fine. Trust me. Yeah. And, and he also says this little phrase, and this is another thing the show does that it's like, you can hear the writers or you can just visualize the writers watching tv and just writing something down for example he says to him well players play which is something that like coaches will say to a player in sports to tell them like listen you don't have to worry about anything except playing don't worry about strategy don't worry about any of that stuff players play and so he tells him that and that kind of snaps into his uh you know ace's mind on what we're going to do and one more thing curl quick i forgot to mention about the dialogue is that another problem the show uh, has is that you can tell the same person's writing a lot of the dialogue because they use a lot of the same phrases, but not in a way where it's like regional. For example, um, when um, Ace wants to jump, what most people would say, jump off the top rope, he says leap. And then later on in the match, when, when Jack wants to call that spot and says, go ahead, he also says leap. Why? Because the same person wrote that line. So I just can't help but point that out. So anyway. Well, Dean, uh, so we got backstage. There's all these no-name wrestlers. I think uh, we see Dylan McQueen, I think, is the only one I recognize that was an indie wrestler that was back there. And uh, we get these, you know, big speech from Jack. And finally, uh, we catch up kind of with last season. Um, Tell me all about this, and we'll kind of start wrapping this up, Dean. Uh I, I actually don't have any notes on that part. I don't remember. I remember that all I go from is after the big elbow drop, Ace wins the match, and then we kind of jump back to the present of all the guys hanging out and kind of wondering where uh, Ace had gone. Well, a couple things in there. We did see that, that Crystal was in the crowd at this big show, and she was, you know, oh, I, I like him looking at uh, Ace. She also was calling spots to her friend in the yeah. crowd, and that friend was in the first season. So that was a real, like, that was some continuity there. Good job. Um uh, Mr. John Murray, did you have any anything you want to uh, throw in about this uh, big match between Ace and Jack here? Yeah, I, I did. And see, like another thing, too, like when we were talking about like the emotional beats or whatever, when Ace does climb to the top rope and he's like looking around and he sees like there's the little visual of like Ace as the little kid watching from the balcony and his dad is looking up at him at the yeah. top rope. Little wink like that was cute and nice. And. Also, I know I've been talking shit about King Spade, saying he's a bad man and stuff, but I got to give it to this guy. He is a handsome motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. He is just, he just, he's very, 
manly or something. I don't know, something about him. Like, that's a good-looking guy. But he comes off the top rope, gives the elbow, and then it cuts back to Ace doing the elbow, like, in unison together. I thought that was a fun little, cute little. Well, this is important, then. We'll ask Dean first. King Spade or or, uh, Wild Bill, Dean? (laughs) I got to go with Wild Bill. Okay. Seemed like he'd be a little uh, more fun. Uh, one, one thing that I really liked about Wild Bill was his defining moment in season one where, for the most part, he was all about himself. He was trying, you know, he was very out for himself, out for doing whatever he could do that would take care of him. And the fact that this is a the, the fair match was big. It was super important. He added himself to the main event or recommended himself be added into the main event. Uh, then he... Sh- shits himself and he's not willing to do anything to help the main event go the way it needs to. He's out, let them, you know, sink or swim, figure out what they're going to do until Gully goes in and tries to get the belt. And then he knows that that's his moment that he can't be the guy who just takes care of himself anymore, that he is just protecting his own image. He gets up off the mat, leaving a brown shit stain on the hardest part of the ring in the corner <laughs> to stop Gully from getting the, the championship belt for these guys. He doesn't work for them. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't really going to benefit from next week's show and the, and the gate at next week's show. But he kind of puts his own ego aside, lets everyone see what he just did to himself to, you know, stop that moment. So for for the character of Wild Bill at the end of season one, he he ended on a very high note in my book. Yeah, he turned love- he turned babyface at the end, right after the whole season of being a heel, he turned babyface at the end, and we barely get him in this episode because if they Ooh. showed him a bunch in the past, he'd be an asshole, and they can't they're smart. We can't have him being an asshole because he's been turned face. I like it. I I would love if we're going to go back to the past, I would love to see some past Wild Bill because like I just again, I just want to know how how famous is this guy? Because like um, like I was talking about earlier before when he was talking about that toy belt and he like has that freak out on the plane, gets naked and stuff. And like his like uh, managers or whatever, like you got to go rehab to get get your public uh, persona back on track. And to before he goes to rehab. Bill holds a press conference full of journalists about like, yeah, I got to go to rehab now. Like, no, is he like Hulk Hogan or like, or you know what I mean? Like what I I need to know his level of like fame and his position in the business. I mean, that's what we were thinking last season at the, he is maybe on that, like, you know, uh, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan kind of level, you know, like former, yeah. former guy. And, and he made it to the big time, but you know, the rest of, you know, Jack Spade didn't for whatever reason, which we never find out or haven't found out yet. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's an awesome character and I can't wait to see more from him. And, and last season we did see a little bit of him and Jack Spade in like an old video they were watching. I'm really hoping yeah. we get more of that. Also, um, fucking um the <laughs> wild bill not only did he pull that cre- call that press conference he said that he didn't get fired he got abandoned and then he also mentioned that he was a victim of circumcision and that that's what this is really all about <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also too with that when you talk about they showed that clip of uh jack uh, excuse me king spade and wild bill cutting promos or whatever that's the episode two 
where Jack mentions to Ace that he cut a promo on The Rock and tweeted it oh. to The Rock, and maybe The Rock will come to Duffy. What a mark! <laughs> I, I see. I, see, I don't understand. How big is the world of Duffy? You know what I mean? Like how, because they do draw and stuff and like around town, everybody is like in love with Duffy. But then they mention too in those episodes that like when Jack tries to go like get a, get a network going full of old Duffy videos, the guy he's trying to get, give him money to back it is like, no, you people just don't know who you are. You know what I mean? Like you don't have pull. So it's like, I don't understand <laughs> doesn't make any sense none of that stuff makes sense the finances don't make sense the business part doesn't make sense but um what does make sense is we are finally at the end of this episode caught up with the end of last season and we see that jack is trying to call ace he even stands in a giant empty room somehow there's a giant empty room backstage and he's like ace where's ace and he just yells into the oblivion and no one answers we see that cm punk is here again and he's Ricky Rabies and he just there's a drop line. He walks up and goes, Hey, sure am glad to be part of DWL now for good. In other words, like, hey, I'm in this season. And yeah. uh, you know, Crystal kisses big uh Bobby Pin, so we know yeah. they're together. Big mm -hmm. Jim reminds us that um uh he has a child at home. He says, I'm the only one with a child at home, I am, you know, real loud, which is funny. <laughs> And um, we see Ace move out, and his mom watches from the window with, like, an attaboy kind of glance because she hates yeah. pro wrestling. And anything he can do to get away from pro wrestling is okay with her. Um, you know, the rest of this is this Jack. Uh, oh, yeah, this is another thing that was shocking to you, uh, Dean, right? You did not remember that Jack had been kicked out of his house, but not his wife is the one that's out. Explain this, Dean, please. So over the fact that she discovered that he was the one that bought the Kleenexes amongst some other issues, uh, they were not staying together at the same house. And also by crazy, you know, as big as Duffy is, their two biggest events, the rodeo and the fair are booked on the same night. And both members of the family are at separate dueling events. So they're talking on the phone about, well, you know, I wish I could have been there, but I had to be here. And the episode kind of ends with, you know, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be able to rebuild? Are they going to go back to a time where they didn't fight? So, yeah, they were at they were at dueling events, but at the same place. It was so confusing, though, because like, so so well, it, but you're seeing Jack in his home. And then the wife is where? We don't know because if you don't remember. She was at her mom's or something, right? She's at like a friend of hers with, with the child who was not in the episode at all. So we right. do – that child is like convenience child. It's like whenever we need him, there he is. When we don't, fucking forget him. So um, – but we do learn here another maybe important thing is that Jack, uh, you know, he talks to his wife and he says, I don't miss my dad at all. And he says, isn't it weird that I named our kid after the guy that I don't miss? So, you know, the child is named after King Spade. So I guess his name is King. Um, we don't know. <laughs> they told us in the first season. I don't remember. But um, and then at the end are, you know, we have two kind of big things to, to take us out here. One is that Jack finally decides to open the letter that Willie had given him at the beginning of the episode. And it just says, take care of Ace, Dad. And then we cut to Ace 
in his car, presumably fucked up. Oh, no, he's drinking Red Bull, and he is driving south, um, and he has the crown sitting in yep. the, you know, on the console as credits roll. So Jack has failed to take care of Ace. He's headed to the troubling you know, dystopia world, and what's going to happen? Dean, what did you think of uh, Heels Season 2, Episode 1? One thing I want to touch on real quick is that you, when the, you were talking about how Jack said that, oh, you know, I don't miss my dad, but we named my son after him, that she also does say his wife says, well, that was before everything happened. So then we gather that the supposedly miscarried child right. was going to be their second child because of the fact that they obviously had had this first child and named it after Jack's father before. I don't know if that's important, but I felt like they sprinkled that in there to let us know that it would have been their second. She had a miscarriage and it would have been their second child. Uh, other than that, I was really happy with the first episode. I'm glad that it actually came back and we finally got to see what happens. I feel like they're going to do something where he's going to go on. It seems like a very low hanging fruit prediction, but Ace is going to take this crown on another promotion to gullies and do something with it and say it's not important or throw it in the trash <laughs> or something silly that, you know, we've seen done before or, you know, silly things like that. So I'm interested to see where it goes. You, Dean, we were sitting there on my couch watching this. And as soon as you saw that crown, you turned around and you looked at me and you go, he's going to throw that in the trash. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> so. it's, it's been done. It's been something that has happened all the time. <laughs> John Murray, professional athlete and now reviewer of Heels. Tell me all about season two, episode one. What'd you think, man? Um, I think I liked it better than season one, episode one. Uh, but this this episode was just it was just a prologue. You know what I mean? I was really hoping we would get to see more of like the aftermath of the fair show, which I mean I know we're gonna get to or whatever, but because I think I, I've mentioned it. Crystal's like my favorite character. I think. I think she's the only person. I think she might be the main character too. Like you know what yeah. I mean? Because it's like the only person that has. I like to say, you know, the the mark of a good movie or television show is when everybody learns a little bit about life, love, and themselves. And I think Crystal's the only person to do that so far. And I would love to just see more. Of her. That's what I that's what I was going into this like hell, because like I said, I loved the way season one ended. Crystal winner of the belt. I was so happy <laughs> and I was wanting more of that. But and and speaking of Crystal, too, they treat like all the girls in the show are treated terribly. Like, I don't think this show is going to pass any Bechdel tests anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, all the girls are just there in service of everybody else, except for Crystal, who, like, gets to do, like, his, is, like, breaking this mold or whatever. So Crystal is the most interesting character to me. I'm upset we didn't see a lot out of her this week, but, I mean, she's the Duffy champ. We gotta, we gotta see more of her. Well, you know, they but, had to go back with this first terrible. season and they had to fix all the bullshit that happened with last season. So that's yeah. kind of what this episode seemed to be about was to fix and set up. One good mm -hmm. thing about the season is supposed I think there's only six episodes, so we can't have an episode where nothing happens. 
because if yeah. you're going to tell a story, it's going to go, you know, it's kind of all compressed. So that's a good thing. I think everything's going to be moving and I'm excited to, uh, you know, talk about the show, but I, I, you know, as Dean might, you know, typically say, I'm more excited to hang out with you guys and talk about, uh, you know, fun stuff that happened in the past uh, and stuff oh, yeah. like that. So, uh, you know, that's exciting. And this opportunity was, uh, something that I'm really happy that we're globbing onto here. So, all right. Yeah, well, it should be fun. Dean, any final thoughts about this week's heels? Any predictions for the future? Uh, no predictions. I do have a question for John Murray. Okay. Uh, he has pointed out that Jack Spade had this big idea to tweet at The Rock to try and get The Rock to Duffy. If you were going to log on to Twitter and call out a current wrestler, who do you think John Murray could have a good match with, or who would you just like to be in the ring with? Oh, gosh, that's a... Uh... That is a hell of a question. Um, oh, man. Um, you know what? I would call out Dominic Mysterio. So that we could quickly. <laughs> you stick your thumb right up his butt, too. Yeah. Now, I, I, don't, I, I, I think Dom is like my favorite, one of my favorite wrestlers right now. He's really making a lot of big strides. He took uh, that belt away from my boy Dez, but. Uh, other than that, I like Dom a lot, and I think uh, the one person I've always wanted to wrestle, we've crossed paths a few times, but it's just never lined up. I, I always wanted to wrestle Orange Cassidy, man. Of course we would have a great match. Yeah, Cole Cabana never stepped up to that either, you know, and uh, my dream uh, John Murray match has always been Toru Yano from uh, – you know, from oh, New Japan, that would be the greatest thing ever. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, uh, I, I mean, I had a lot of fun doing this, guys, and I'm looking forward to next time. We got uh, six episodes to do. We got, you know, um, CM Punk's wife coming in to do a spot, and looks like they're going to bring in her to wrestle, uh, you know, our, our champion, and uh, that'll be exciting. And I can't wait to hear the discourse about whether women belong wrestling men and pro wrestling and how much experience John Murray has with stuff like that to talk about. It's, I don't know. This is going to be good stuff. I'm, I'm really happy. So I did see a like trailer or something. This is another reason where I'm like, is Crystal the main character? Because there was a trailer where like, she's like walking into the Duffy dome and there's AJ Lee, like doing all these cool moves, putting punk in like the octopus stretch. And like somebody even turns to her like, Hey, you got some competition now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, I'm excited. Like I said, I like Crystal. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I hope, I hope AJ Lee's a massive heel too in the show. That'd be great. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Dean, anything else to add uh, this week? Uh, no, nothing, nothing left to add. All right. John Murray, you got anything to plug or anything we need to talk about? Um, uh, you know, I actually, yeah, I, I should have mentioned it earlier, but as we all know, the whole, uh, you know, we're watching a television show, but the writer and actor strike is going on right now. Of course, I just want to say I totally support all that stuff. You should pay people well, especially being in the entertainment business for as long as I have. I've seen how shitty it can be, you know, and like um, especially with like, you know, all the properties like the Marvel movies and Disney and stuff, they're all kind of diminishing returns. And then you see like Barbie and Oppenheimer come out, two movies by two directors who actually have vision and do what they want. And you put money behind that and look how good it works out. So maybe, uh, you know, 
Hollywood can get it back get it together and we can get better episodes of Heels and a season three of Heels. You oh, know what I'm saying? We, we don't need season three, but uh, but I appreciate your optimism. So um, I do have some shocking information to reveal to you, and that is that Stephen Amell has been out doing press for this. Oh, so, my God. Really? Yeah, he is. Yeah, not a good look for Stephen Amell, but he's been out That's to impress so for the show. Uh, it's one of his babies and I get it. But at the same time, he shouldn't be doing that. So uh, uh, interesting stuff. But uh, maybe we'll learn more about that as the season goes on. And one more thing to plug, actually, if uh, you want to support some uh Real good filmmakers and a local guy and a guy who has an attachment to the wrestling business, Mr. Victor Bonacore, made a movie last summer called Thrust. Uh, it came out this year. It's on Blu-ray right now. You should go buy a copy of that because it is a great movie filmed almost all in Dayton. Uh, Linnea Quigley's in it, uh, Aaron Brown, Allison Egan. It's a great movie. And also there's tons of wrestling in it too. It's a, it's a movie. There's, there's a girl gang of wrestlers in there called the ringworms who, uh, just beat the shit out of Austin, Nate wings. I mean, it's, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Everybody should see it. I want everybody to see it. You can see me without a shirt on. It's great. It's always, always a, a vision to behold. So uh, tremendous. Well, if there's nothing else, man, I just uh, thanks everybody so much for listening. We'll see you next week on the next episode of Motherfucking Heels. Woo. Thanks, guys.